Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's, it's one of those things that people love being able to come out to a farm and not feel the stresses of the world, which is one of the great things about what, what we do is, hey, people are stressed out. People are stressed out big time. And when they can come for like those two, three hours and their kids go home wasted, tired, it, it's, it's, it's really a, a magical place for a lot, of, a lot of families. That was John Boss from Dutch Hollow Farms located in California's Central Valley. John and his family started out dairy farming, but now run a massively successful agritourism hotspot that offers consumers options like pumpkins, tulips and sunflowers, a petting zoo, and even events like a date night and family farm barbecue day. This is the Farm Traveler Podcast, and I'm your host, Trevor Williams. On this episode, I'll be chatting with John about his family farm, which once started out as a dairy after his parents immigrated to the United States from Holland, and now provides their community with countless opportunities to learn about agriculture right on the farm. John and I will also cover the planning process of growing over 45 varieties of pumpkins just in time for the fall, the importance of community engagement, and how they are expected to have over 70,000 visitors in October alone. We'll also touch base on how they manage 120 employees, the importance of sharing your story honestly on social media, and why the farm should be a welcoming environment for everyone. When the show's over, check out the links below to connect with John and everyone at Dutch Hollow Farms, as well as links to check out more Farm Traveler content. Now, enough from me. Please enjoy episode 200 with John Boss. So I was stumbling across Instagram, like trying to find, you know, people, farms on there. And I stumbled across yours at Dutch Hollow Farms. And I mean, you've got a really big Instagram account. I mean... It seems like you're putting a lot of tender love and care into that. Yeah. Um, needless to say, I wish I was 19 and young and better looking. Uh, I think I could be, you know, like I said, my son Isaac could be a hundred thousand plus followers just because he's young and attractive. But, um, you know, I've, I've really nailed down my demographic and that's one of the biggest things like, just like your podcast, you're, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to put your podcast out for guys that are 68 years old. I mean, I've really honed in on my audience and I think I do a really good job with it. And I'm real. It's one of the things that a lot of people aren't nowadays. Let's just try and be real. Yeah. You don't really see that a lot on, on social media Like you see like these fake, lives or fake influencers and stuff. Uh, so it's good that, you know, you're being real awful. about what you're doing. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I show a lot of the bad, the good, uh, everything in between and that day-to-day -day grind, which is 
I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of people appreciate about what I do is they see me telling the story and that's, that's everything. So why do you think it's important to share not only the good, obviously, but why do you think it's important to share the bad, like in agriculture, like what you're doing? Why do you think that's important? I think a lot of people just think it's easy. There's a number of places that have thought that they were going to go into the pumpkin patch business and think it was going to be easy street because they see, Oh, look at how many cars are at Dutch hollow, you know, like that's Mm. just, that's just easy. But then they started and then they went, Oh crap. There's, there's way more to it. There's way more to it. So yeah. What's the background of you guys? Like how did y'all start out and, and like, what's the stage where you're at now? Well, I was born in Southern California. My parents immigrated from the Netherlands in 1960 and okay. my dad was working my dad was working for various dairy farmers in Southern California and then in 1982 he was actually able to purchase the farm that we're at right now. And oh, okay. I was just a mere I was a mere 11 years old, so I always say that I learned how to work because we had a dairy farm and the dairy farm was 365. Mm. It, you know, there's no holidays. And when you, when you have a grind of pumpkin patch season where we're open every single day for about 35 days straight, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on you. And I'm, I'm trying to take a step back a little bit more, but uh, my wife has even said like, how do you, how do you do that? how do you just work every single day? And I said, well, I grew up on the dairy. <laughs> That's true. That, that, that work ethic of growing up on the dairy. Cause I mean, like you said, it's 24 seven, you've got to milk the cows two to three times a day. There are no off days. If you do, the cows are going to be miserable. So I feel like that's a, that's a really good way to develop a work or work ethic whenever you're young. Absolutely. And I, I think I think my son is starting to understand it more because he's never really had to put in the work like I've had to. And now that he's working for me this summer, he's like, wow, there's just a lot of steps that we need to go through in order to achieve. You know, our, our intention is to have about 70,000 people come through our farm in October alone. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Um and, and I think we have a lot of room to grow. It's just, it's time and money. It's time and money. So are y'all still doing dairy or did you completely pivot to pumpkins? Right. My dad uh, retired the, the dairy farm. I want to say it's been seven, eight years ago now. And okay. honestly, it was just kind of sitting empty. It was for sale for a while. My, my parents were thinking about uh, moving. We didn't have our operation there until just two and a half years ago when we moved from a different location. So when we got started, we started from nothing and <laughs> uh, to to grow to what we are today is really kind of nothing but phenomenal. But we had a lot of help along the way, but I leased a piece of ground that was literally right across the street from a major shopping center. And so mm-hmm. you had shopping center and a, just a nice old farm, but we didn't own it. So, you know, it was kind of one of those things. So one of my pet peeves is for the, how many years was I there? Since 2006, I was there. And so we moved about two and a half years ago. For all of those years, oh, they're building Costco. They're building Costco. They're building Costco. Well, <laughs> that's nerve. That's so nerve wracking, though. It, it's it's awful. It's awful because you think, hey, I'm trying to grow my business, and yet they, there's so many people that act like they want to just take it away. <laughs> so they just started moving dirt a week ago. So oh, okay. It took it took two and a half more years after we left, but, but the, the word on the street was like, it was going to happen sooner than later. And that was a big concern of mine. So I'm like, I'd rather transition in a winter 
then trying to transition during a summer and then just pulling my hair out. Uh, so we, we had to go to work on my dad's dairy farm. It was really dilapidated. It had been sitting empty for years. Uh, if you go back through some of the social media, you'll see lots of concrete that has been removed. And because <laughs> they tripping hazards, I mean, stuff that's fine mm-hmm. for cattle, all of a sudden you're going, well, some old grandma's going to get mad at me if I don't remove that and put nice concrete. And you think about handicap accessibility. I mean, there's, there's just, it's it's endless on but what's what's the nice thing is i knew every square inch of my dad's farm mm-hmm. so i knew exactly what needed to come out what needed to stay now did we find lots of problems behind a problem yes <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a very stressful 2 years but we're slowly on getting closer to the end of like okay we're done cleaning up stuff and now we can start expanding and doing great stuff. That's awesome. I mean, you're, so you're working on like trying to get ready to expand, but also like you said, you're having like over 70,000 people a year, like visit you guys. That's, that's wild. I mean, so like when you were planning to, what was the inspiration behind having people come and visit the farm? Uh, honestly, so in 2005, my best friend and I, my best friend in those days grew about 700 acres of pumpkins. Oh, and wow. That's a lot of pumpkins. The, well, and now they're as big as 1,850 acres of pumpkins. That's that's how large they are. But they're completely designed to sell to Trader Joe's, Walmarts of the world. They're, they're sell, selling wholesale if you will. And they do a phenomenal job. They're, they're really just, they're the cream of the crop in farming. Now in 2005, he said, Hey, I've got all these huge prize winners, which we consider a prize winner to be a hundred pounds or more. Some of them prize winners usually are about 75 to 250 pounds. And we decided to sell them on a street corner and we were like a bunch of clowns, you know, try. So he filled his whole trailer and I think we ended up making like $220 each in an afternoon. And we just had <laughs> so much fun because we're interacting with the public and people were like, wow, those are huge pumpkins. And we're like, yeah, we'll load them up into your, tra-. you know, it was crazy. It was so much fun. And that inspired like, hey, we said after that, if if the right place ever comes up, let's let's start a pumpkin patch. And sure enough, by May, I and and it was kind of interesting how that place just kind of fell into my lap because the guy that was farming it before, he up and died. And I thought the neighbor was gonna farm it. Well, eventually it fell into my lap. And when that happened, I actually called Brian, not my wife first, <laughs> said, do I have a pumpkin patch corner for you? Because it, it was, it was obviously because of the, the, the visibility, I mean, location, 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 our location isn't as great, but we have a better farm now because people feel like they're in the country now. And so, and, and honestly, you can still see new housing from from the farm. So we're not that far from the city. So we're actually in an ideal location and uh, people just love it. And, and people want that farm experience because let's face it, what's happening more and more? Uh, a lot of kids are not growing up in the farm uh, life anymore. And parents... You know, I, I give credit to the parents of today. They still want their kids to have that nostalgia a little bit from when they were kids and they saw more farms and so that they bring their kids to a pumpkin patch or we do obviously other events, but uh, it's it's one of those things that people love being able to come out to a farm 
and not feel the stresses of the world, which is one of the great things about what, what we do is, hey, people are stressed out. People are stressed out big time. And when they can come for like those two, three hours and their kids go home wasted, tired, and really it's kind of the price of a movie um, mm-hmm. without the without the $9 popcorn and $10 soda, it, it's 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 really a, a magical place for a lot of a lot of families. And that the popcorn and the and the drink that's all small. I mean, if you want a large, it's like twenty bucks for a popcorn, twenty bucks for a soda. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that's so cool. And you know, I saw something online earlier this week that said something like, I don't know, the average American spends like ninety two or ninety four percent of their time inside, versus like it used to be like 50, 50, like way back in the day. And so this is such a great yeah. way where more people can get outside. The younger generations can get outside and, you know, like learn about agriculture yeah. and get like very engaged. Right. In a very safe environment, because mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things that we, we try to, I mean, Hey, not, not that any of our rides are kind of sketch, but like, uh, <laughs> we, you know, there's a, an element. It's amazing you know what? I, I think I could start a new business though. And, and this might sound absolutely crazy, but I think I could start a gravel farm because our parking lot is gravel. And when most kids see gravel, what is the first thing that they do? They go and they grab gravel and they start throwing it. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate. Which is, and I'm like, I was always taught as a kid, like you don't pick up gravel, like you don't. <laughs> and when you grow up around it, it's, it's kind of like, well, you, you just don't do that. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we had our fair share of dirt clod fights, you know, but uh, it's amazing to me that, that a kid just sees, so see something so simple as gravel. And it's, it's because there's no exposure. There's mm-hmm. no exposure. So they haven't learned that, hey, gravel needs to stay on the ground so that we don't damage somebody else's car when you decide to go chuck it, you know? So um, more lessons learned. <laughs> the more you know. I mean, I'm I'm very, very guilty of that. Anytime I see rocks in a parking lot or something, I grab them, start throwing them. Obviously not towards cars or people, but, you know, I, I guess Good. it's just a habit you Good. learn when you're young. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> So what all grow, goes in to managing growing pumpkins? Because I know they don't grow year round. Obviously, you've got to plan it out to where they're growing in the fall. You're going to have a bunch of them. What all goes into planning it for, you know, your super busy season? We actually start in that process probably in December, January already, because mm. we start ordering seed just because, hey, we we need to know what's sell, sold really well. And like certain varieties just don't sell very, very well. We can sell a three to five pound orange pumpkin. Every kid loves it. They can hold it in their hand. They love them. There's a variety that's the same size, but it's yellow and people don't want to touch them. And it's hmm. so you kind of like go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you would think, Hey, well, family is going to pick up so many different kinds. And ultimately there's just certain varieties that people want more than others. We can grow a mini wart, which is three to five pounds. It has warts on the, on the pumpkin itself. Can't sell them, but we have one that's 18 pounds and everybody wants to buy them because they just look Mm. really, really cool. There's um, a lot to know in where are we going to, in the process of where we're going to plant them next year starts right now because we don't really like to go back to back in the same soil. So there's a lot of planning and, you know, sometimes we just kind of hope, oh, maybe the neighbor wants to trade with us. Uh, We'll grow corn on our farm so that they can have it and we can grow pumpkins on we like to grow pumpkins on what we call fresh ground every single year because like 
Isaac was looking at pumpkins uh, just a couple hours ago, and he sent me a video. It's all fresh ground pumpkins. He saw already four to five pumpkins on a plant. And that tells me, well, first of all, the weather has been fantastic this year, mm. but that also tells me, you know, we're in prime dirt. Uh, and whenever you can put pumpkins in fresh ground, ground that's never been touched by pumpkins before, your yields just go up off the chart. So there's a lot in the process of, of from start to finish. And then every variety has a different amount of days so we have a variety that's called fairy tale we have to start them in april they take 130 days to grow them from from plant to maturity and then we have a variety that's makes a 12 pound pumpkin it takes 80 days or sometimes less to grow a pumpkin so you want to plant those accordingly because Anytime you have a pumpkin that sits too long on the vine, you always run the risk of sunburn and, you know, then, then you got product that nobody wants to buy, right? Nobody wants mm -hmm. to buy a pumpkin that has like a big sun splotch on it. Nothing wrong with it, but it's just discolored. It's just like our produce in the, in the grocery store. You're going to pick up the one that has the blotch. No, I don't think so. So it's, it's pretty important to schedule all of your plantings out. And we're, we're almost done seeding where we've got a couple of varieties that we'd like to plant yet. I just felt like we were kind of short on that particular, a particular size. And I knew that with the amount of days until Halloween, if, you, if we were to guess how many days till Halloween, I think it's like 108 days okay. until Halloween or wait, no, 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 no. It's 120, 126 days from today. So oh, you were close. I, 126 I, I, days. Okay. So I have one variety that's like 110 days and that's usually on back East numbers. Um, mm -hmm. Our weather is better than any of the farms back East. Um, so I can probably get that down to a hundred and, 200 100 days uh so i still have plenty of time to ripen those pumpkins does that make any sense it's yeah it's no, right totally. on the line mm -hmm. it's right on the line but uh because you know there's there's you know but it's it's like one particular size that i was like i think we're kind of short on that size so um so there's a lot of planning that goes into it it sounds like it. And before I forget, do you ship anything out east for like pumpkin patches no, or something like no. that? Because I, I know that's a huge thing. Yeah, no, there's there's some growers in New Mexico and Colorado that grow, okay. you know, a thousand acres each and uh, they can ship them. I can buy pumpkins in New Mexico and they can ship them out here cheaper than if I buy them from like, say, my best friend who's, you know, 25 minutes down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's just, you know, California. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Um, I remember growing up at my church, we had a pumpkin patch every October. And so we would get them, um, I think like maybe two or three weeks before, um, before Halloween would really start. And we would go out there, we'd get a huge semi truck and we'd unload all the pumpkins and then we would like work it every couple of days and we had to go out there like every night and rotate the pumpkins so that it wouldn't get mildewy yeah. on the bottom of them. And I just remember like yeah. there were huge pumpkins, little pumpkins. And like you said, I mean, even working at a pumpkin patch, the, um, the consumers, they wanted the perfect round orange pumpkin. They didn't want something that was lumpy. Yeah. They didn't want something that was yeah. oval or misshapen. They want a perfectly beautiful yeah. pumpkin. No, and my guys are really good when they're harvesting out in the fields. I mean, there are sometimes what we would call a flat back where mm. they just won't ever stand up on their own. And that's mm. usually either a water. It was short on water or something happened that uh, it just didn't make a perfect pumpkin, but uh, we usually leave those out in the field or we feed them to cattle. So uh, 
everything usually has a purpose. And so in addition to pumpkins, you guys also grow flowers and tulips, right? Yeah. So this, this year was, was phenomenal for tulips. We had almost, what did we have? 26 inches of rain in California, which our normal is 13. Our normal is 13. Uh, So (laughs) uh, tulips love cold. They love wet. And that's what we got. And so it was that one year in however many that they just did exceptionally well. I, I remember one particular variety, one of the first ones to bloom, bloomed nearly four weeks before they faded all the way out. Uh, oh, it was wow. at least three. It was at least three. And that's rare for our area. Normally mm-hmm. two weeks, normally two weeks on a variety, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a phenomenal year for that. And then, uh, so baby animal days then morphs into, or sorry, baby animal days comes immediately after tulip season. Okay. And so that's your season where families can come to the farm. They, they can still do a lot of the attractions, but, uh, like the slides, the zip lines, all that kind of stuff tricycle track, but they're actually able to hold baby chicks, uh, a goat, a lamb, petting zoo type, type thing. We do a really nice job with that. Um, we keep our animals, uh, year round. We used to sell a bunch of them. It's super expensive to do it like this, where you feed them Mm -hmm. year round but we can identify who's naughty and who's nice. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> there you go. That's a good strategy. You know, not, not every goat is, is a loving goat. Right. And, and so we, we can identify because we're around them every single day. And then we can see <laughs> behaviors that, but since they're grown up in our system, basically it's like, it's, 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 it's really amazing how like most of the animals that we have that are born at the farm are always super chill. And mm-hmm. that is the key. You want animals that are like, hi, hi, you know, uh, you don't want them to be aggressive obviously because you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And well, why is this little cute little goat like wanting to headbutt me? You know, it, it <laughs> you know, um, it, it happens and, you know, but we try to educate people and say, Hey, this is what's going to happen, uh, occasionally. But, uh, if we, if we see a pattern starting, we can remove that animal. And then mm-hmm. we've always got five to 10 others that'll take its spot just because, um, yeah. So, you know, and I show that process too. I mean, uh, we're, we're, you know, this fall, we're, we're always in breeding season. So if you see the, the male, you know, goat, you know, climbing on some of the ladies, it's like, well, kids, this is what happens. You know, this is this how is a we teachable get moment. babies first teachable moment. So, and that's, <laughs> and I think, I think those are good things. I think because, you know, in the cases of like, say a vegan, for instance, uh, or people that aren't vegan or, but are considering a lifestyle change, they have a better understanding of how they're raised and why they're raised in a particular way. And then they can make that decision later on in life, you know, whether they choose to go eat an animal or not. But, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I, we use it as a teaching tool and that's, the animals are a huge, huge teaching tool. That's huge. Um, I love that you have those teachable moments. I mean, I think that's obviously very cool for people to learn, but it's awesome that they can learn it from you and they can learn it on the farm instead of just seeing it, you know, wherever it might be. And it can get misconstrued. There can be misinformation on it. So they're right. lear- they're literally learning right. it on a farm. That's awesome. Because what I can't stand is someone that, that might come to the farm. They see a couple of flies on a calf. And, and we try to do everything in our power to mitigate, you know, flies. But 
when they immediately go to social media and then they, they type in a bad review. I'm like, did you ever talk to an employee? No. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that's what we're there for. And so it, a lot of times they'll come back later and say, you know, what? I, you're right. You're right. I, I shouldn't have gone straight to, you know, my fingers instead of, Hey, you talk to the farmer. If there's an employee that's bad, I need to know. But, but if you, if you just race home and go, eh, get Charlie farms, hey, not yeah. every, not every employee is a first round pick. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's hey, I mean, life happens, but well, and, and that's another thing if you have, cause that's, that's, I hate the review game. I, I just, mm-hmm. that just those social sites for, for reviews. I just, I cannot stand them just because it doesn't give you a fair representation of what you're doing. Now, if you see a lot of them, yeah, okay. I understand, you know, then, then something needs to be changed. But uh, for the most part, man, we run a very tight ship and, and what's, what's great is we have employees that come back year after year. And if, and if we, you know, if, if, Hey, one of their requirements to work for our farm is every person is treated the same. I don't care if they have tattoos written or like all over their neck. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what color. I don't care, you know, ethnicity, their, their preferences. I don't care. We are here to show them a good time. And I think we, we do well in that. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like you're kind of mentioning it. I feel like review sites, I mean, like Google and I am very much guilty of this too, but I feel like people are much more likely to review something if they have a bad experience and they're not very likely to share their experience if it was positive. I don't know why, but I I feel like that's just kind of the way that it is. Right. Well, because we, I think we had someone recently, it's like, well, I've been there seven times and we had a great time the previous six and you know, that one time, you know, and I said, well then why didn't you write us a good review those previous (laughs) six times? Oh, I, I, I never thought about that. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair because, mm-hmm. Hey, we are not perfect. We are not perfect in the least, but we try. I mean, the amount of hours that we put in to making sure that people have a great time. I don't, I don't know if anybody puts in the time or effort. I mean, I'm sure there are places that do you know, just as good a job, but man, we put in a lot of effort to make sure that everybody's happy. It sounds like, I mean, how do you go about managing all that? Cause I mean, not only are you a pumpkin patch, you've got tulips, you've got a petting zoo, you've got zip lines and bicycle courses. Like yeah. how do you manage yeah. so much stuff on the farm? Yeah. So last fall we had upwards to 120 employees Oh, wow. So that is a lot of people. And so we have a lot of senior management people that have worked for me for five, six plus years. A lot of, a lot of the people that we hire, it is a stepping stone for their future careers. Not saying that they go Mm. into uh, it's, it's job experience, right? There's Hey, we hire a lot of 16 year old kids. And most of them are great uh, because we, we actually can't stand the 25 to 35 year old that doesn't have work. Well, mm-hmm. there's usually a reason that a 25 or 35 <laughs> year old doesn't have work because there's plenty of work out there. Um, and so we like to go younger. They haven't been jaded by the world they're, they're eager to earn money to, you know, eventually get their license or buy a car. Um, Hey, I, I appreciate those moms that come to us and they want to earn for, for example, there was a mom that 
Her husband told her, we don't have Disneyland in the budget for this year. So she came out to work at the farm for our field trips because the kids were old enough that they were at school. She's a stay-at-home mom. But she went out and earned enough money to take those her family to Disneyland. And so that's super cool. That's that's what it's all about. Um, you know, it everything goes downhill. I mean, we're doing good. Everybody else does good as well. I, that's I, I I wholeheartedly believe we're we're community place, and we we actually care what the community thinks, feels, you name it. That So that's the perfect segue because that was kind of my next little topic of discussion. Uh, like when when you're starting like agritourism like you guys, I mean, you're not trying to be um, like a Disney World where it's just you. It's just the farm. Like obviously you want to highlight the community as a whole. So like how how do you go about getting the community involved in your business as well so everybody can win? Well, uh, the big part of it is me being on social media and, mm. and I, someone said in an agritourism conference once that I'm one of the best ones to follow if you want to know the story of the farm. And mm. I, I, I about lost it because, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't consciously think about doing it. But hey, mm-hmm. even my stories today, I'm I'm teaching people how to grow pumpkins, even though they may never ever try growing pumpkins in their life. But they have to see what that process is, and they're more inclined to come to our farm. They really are because they feel invested into it because they've watched those stories, and then they they can appreciate the hard work that we put into it. That that it just doesn't happen with like this, you know, I just don't snap my fingers (laughs) and it all comes together. They, they see how many hours that I put in and it, it, you know, unfortunately I'm getting to that age and a time in my life that I need to take a step back because, you know, you can get burnout real quick, but, um, so I'm trying to make those Sundays where I don't need to go to the farm and that, that helps your, your mental side too, because you got to be able to take a step away from it. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's all about connecting the community. Hey, we had it before we had a hard time finding employees to go seed our pumpkins into flats. I put it out there on social media and the next day we had 25 people show up to our farm to help plant seeds in flats. Well, oh, wow. I just gave them all a free, I gave them all a free admission to the farm and they were happy as can be, you know, but they, <laughs> they felt like a sense of community, which is rare nowadays. I mean, Hey, uh, it's, it's one of the things that's, that we're going to keep pushing is that sense of community and hey, even date night was was a phenomenal hit because you know we put something together that was was fun for couples to go to and they didn't have to bring their kids and uh, they had a phenomenal time. That's so cool. Um, so you're doing like you you did date nights. Isn't there a family barbecue coming up that you guys are doing? Yeah, July sixteen. And that's awesome. I, I was like thinking, yeah. So uh, we're hoping that we can kind of, we got plenty of time to get the word out. We kind of like to sell 400 tickets to something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's for all those that want to come out to the farm that, that it's not just pumpkin season. This is one of those opportunities. And Hey, it's, to me, it's it's a sense of community when you get to sit down with some of the most random of people, and uh, hey, that's that's everything because you can you can meet new people, and you know you can you can have a discussion and because I, I I kind of have a sense that we're all kind of just 
paranoid of talking. I mean, it was really bad coming out of COVID. Mm -hmm. People just didn't want to communicate with, with other people. And I feel like we've done a great job of being able to bring people back and, you know, I mean, Hey, everybody's got a neighbor that they probably don't want to talk to that, that often. And that's, and that's totally fine. But if you can have that random conversation with, with another one, you don't know what, what people are going through. And uh, again, these are all positive things, you know, cause I, I think in some ways we're, we have people that are trying to break community apart. And I think we, don't get me wrong. I, I want people to follow me on social media, but I think people should be on <laughs> social media less, you know, and, and not follow the stuff that makes you angry. Oh like, yeah. No, a hundred percent. I never thought in a million years because I'm kind of an Elon Musk fan, but the other night I just said, you know what? Screw this. I've deleted my Twitter because all it did was just make me angry because People say incredibly crazy stuff there. And I'm like, why am I polluting my brain with this? So I'm like, bye. You know, I just, I don't need it anymore. Um, I think that's why a lot of people have gravitated away from Facebook because Facebook can be very political and mm -hmm. ugh, makes, makes you, makes you nuts. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to be careful. I, I've gotten off of Twitter because I feel like Facebook, you know, is like you can keep up with your friends and family. Instagram, you can share what you're eating or what you're doing. But Twitter, you're like kind of often sharing those intrusive sh thoughts and you're engaged in debates with strangers that you'll never meet. And so that's why sometimes it yeah. can really get the best of us because like everybody's on there just spouting their... We're not going to Twitter to have debates. We're going to Twitter to defend our position and that's it. Yeah. And and that's why I'm like peace out. I mean, that's <laughs> peace. see ya. Even though even though I do a quite the nice Donald Trump impression, it's so powerful, <laughs> it's so great. I do a wonderful impression, but a lot of times I let it go. So I used to do the Trump impression a lot. I I actually have had this ability to to do lots of different impressions I, I mean i remember being able to do ronald reagan back in the day uh oh, george nice. bush um so many different impressions hank hill is one of my favorite ones boy, <laughs> i boy. love hank hill <laughs> i i could i i could probably sell propane and propane accessories i'll tell you what but again <laughs> the that's that's good stuff. And and sometimes I'll, I'll still do the Trump impression, but I'll put my own spin on it. But mm -hmm. man, I've gotten dissertations from people on what a monster Trump is. And I'm like, I don't care. It's just an impression. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you're not so, agreeing. You're so not taking a stance. You're just making fun. You're, you're, it's an impression. That's it. So one, one of the things that I've, I don't want to say that I've figured out on social media is again, I think you have to be informative. Um, mm -hmm. You have to kind of show what you're doing, but you have to be somewhat entertaining as well. And yeah, true. when mm -hmm. one of, one of the things that I get when I go into town, eat dinner with the wife, you know, there were, there are plenty of people that come up to us and go, Oh my gosh, your, your husband's so funny. And my wife's like going, eh. <laughs> you know, she's, <laughs> she's, she's like, I see like, it 24 oh, seven. <laughs> yeah. I see it 24 seven and he comes home like a real giant jerk, you know, but, <laughs> but the thing is, is, um, one of the things that people say is like, I love watching your videos because again, there's entertainment there. And, it doesn't cost them anything. Um, and, and if it costs them that one or two trips to the farm every year, Hey, all great. You know, I, so obviously for the farm, like I, I try to stay out of the political atmosphere, even though I'm, I'm pretty a staunch conservative, if you will, but I'm, I'm also very open-minded to everyone that comes to the farm. 
I don't care what your background is. I don't care who you love. I don't care. You know, I, I don't care. I just want you to have a good time at our farm. I like it. Mike drop. Um, everybody's welcome at this farm. We're here for the farm, not to, you know, do anything else. I like that. I, right. I feel like that's a very good perspective. Yeah. Don't, don't need to, don't, <laughs> don't need to, you know, that's, and, and, and yeah, because all you do is end up upsetting somebody and, you know, now sometimes I kind of push the line sometimes. I mean, Hey, it wasn't more than a week ago that I posted an alpaca and a llama getting it on. So, I mean, you know, Hey, I, I mean, they want to know how it goes. Like, <laughs> Hey, never a dull moment on the farm. You never know what you're going to see. No, I know. Cause you're just like, Oh, so that's how it works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think just like hearing your story and then following you on, on social media, when it comes to agritourism, like a lot of people think that, you know, your crop is the focus, but it seems like your crop and also the farm can be the backdrop for so much going on. Like in your case, I mean, you've yeah. got zip lines, you've got date nights, you've got so much stuff. So it's not like whenever you, when you want to go into agritourism, your pumpkins don't have to be 100% the focus. They can be a good backdrop where the farm is really kind of acts as a place to bring everyone together. We tried that for a number of years at the old farm. And when you see people walk out the door without paying for, uh, they're not buying any pumpkins and you see 10 people walk out the door and they didn't pay anything to get a ride. They didn't get to pay anything to go see a few animals. Now we weren't, we weren't what we were, what we are now. I mean, Hey, and I'll never forget when we went to charging $3, people, people had through fits. Oh, it used to be free. It used to be free. Yeah. Well, gas used to be 24 cents a gallon too. You know I mean? What, how do you expect me to make a living? And, and that's also one of the big reasons I show my story is, 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 and I show how much, because there's so much, uh, money that goes preloaded into the farm coming into October. That's, that's the weird part is like, Hey, we start as early as April planting pumpkins mm. and we're not done. And then when we are done, we have to go to the field and remove all the drip tape and plastic and all that other stuff. So it's, it's a, I think some people just think it's really easy. And then when they see that, they go, oh, gosh, now I know why pumpkins cost what they cost. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's because there's more to it than than just put seeds in the ground and they just grow. Well, it just it don't work like that. It's extremely labor intensive from what I see. Oh, gosh. I mean, we've been <laughs> we, we should be done in less than three weeks, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to manage and so many different varieties too, because we, we plant as many as 45 different varieties. So oh, wow. everything has a different, different maturity date and, uh, pumpkin seed was really tough to get this year too. So we may not reach that plateau this year, but, um, we always have a really huge, um, wide variety of of pumpkins uh, and, and we'll plant several different like larges. Um, like for example, um, like one variety is called Kratos, right? Has mm -hmm. certain characteristics. Uh, but we plant another one called magic wand and there's, there's others that we plant that are the same size because if we have a failure in one, at least we have a backup variety that mm. does that make any sense? Like we always yeah, have I gotcha, a backup I gotcha. variety that, that we're not like going, Oh crap, we don't have a crop this year. Um, last year was tough though. Uh, man, it was so hot. It was, it was not a good pumpkin growing this a year, but this year is, is looking amazing because the weather has been super mild. 
So the better the weather, the more varieties kind of prosper or, or kind of flourish whenever they're growing. Yeah, I mean, because okay. the the plant is the plant isn't under stress, and mm. you're like, we're going to have some hot weather coming up, and but they should survive just fine. Uh, you know, as long as we don't get up in that 106 range, like it 103 kind of makes me go, eh, I don't really like that, but uh, um, 100, 100 and 103 kind of makes me kind of go, yeah, but uh, the mid to upper 90s is like perfect. And, and but we've had middle to upper 80s. Talk about those pumpkins look absolutely phenomenal. Really? It's funny thinking about pumpkins growing in such a hot environment when we're used to them being very, you know, folly and very cold weather crops that you think of. So that's very interesting that they kind of flourish in those hot temperatures. we're in a very unique area where we have that Delta breeze at night and it cools everything off. And so they have a, they have a respite period from let's just say midnight to, you know, 10 in the morning where they're like, okay, okay, we're good. (laughs) And then they, they go into that stress mode for the day um, mm-hmm. And we're always managing water and, you know, drip irrigation is the only way to go. Uh, drip irrigation is the only way to go because you can feed directly to that plant very quickly. Right. Yeah. Not a lot of runoff, not a lot of evaporation. Correct. And it's the only way to go. You, we don't use we don't use a lot of water. Hmm. Nice. Is, so, I mean, do nice. pumpkins not use a lot of water or, or is it that just you guys? No, um, like, I mean, obviously the requirements become a little bit more as the fruit gets bigger, the plants right. get bigger. Um, but like right now, especially like, for example, when we transplant a variety, uh, so we seed them in flats and then we grow them in a flat for about two and a half weeks. And then we take that plant and then we put it into a transplanter and it gets planted in the ground. We water them for a half a day. And oftentimes they don't see any more water for at least another week. Uh, and okay. we, yeah, just because of the, the plastic, um, we put plastic mulch on the top as well, but the drip line is underneath that. And so we're very efficient as far as the amount of water that's, you would be amazed how much one garden hose could could like water in a day it's it's really remarkable so imagine putting 10 water hoses together and and you can like for example you can easily water seven acres no i don't want to say seven you can easily water five acres on just a regular domestic well you don't oh wow okay need any you don't need any huge i mean so many people get here, like hear the boogeyman and people are like, Oh, these farmers, they put all these gigantic wells in the ground. And yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what little water you can use uh, and the requirements, especially when it's cool like this, it's, it's not a lot. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I thought that pumpkins, you know, obviously because they get huge would be, extremely water intensive but that's very interesting to learn all right fun fact of the day no it it is it is common for us to irrigate every other day but it's a very short period of time right Does that make any sense we want to keep we want that water level to come up and then go back down mm-hmm. bring it back up and bring it back down so uh, and a lot of it is in the stage of the plant but um, yeah, it's, it's really amazing that it's, we do a, just more often mm-hmm. and it just keeps the plant, keeps the plant happy, happier and healthier. Well, I mean, it seems like obviously what you guys are doing is working because you have so many fans of the farm of the pumpkin. So clearly you guys are doing something that's working. So that's always good to know. Yeah. Thanks. 
Facebook is nuts, you know, and I pretty much gave up <laughs> on Facebook years ago. And then I looked and I go, holy crap, like right now we're over 43,000 followers on Facebook. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, where did these <laughs> people come from? But again, it's, and that's why my wife and I basically can't go anywhere in town without someone. Hi, Farmer John. I'm like, hi, remember kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> the local celebrities, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that many times and I always just go, <laughs> stop it. I guess it's one of those things where you think it's cool, but then you're actually famous and you're like, eh, I want to go back to being normal. Well, yeah. And that's why when you're in, you know, Mexico on, on holiday and nobody recognizes you, you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of nice. You know, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Might just move here. Um, yeah. Well, no, I'm not ready for that. But uh, <laughs> and, you know, that's that's the joy of, of Instagram in particular is I've made friends with a lot of large farm accounts that that don't do what I do. They're like either corn mm-hmm. and soybeans. Like, for example, like you want the millennial farmers telephone number. Here you go. You know, I. Millennial Farmer reached a million subscribers on YouTube. And that's, he did. that's wild. That's wild. And, and yet what's neat is I'm actually able to just shoot him a text whenever I feel like. And it's just because, I don't know, when, when some of these big farm accounts find out that you're just kind of a normal guy, uh, they, they bring you in because there's, there's a lot of weird people out there. <laughs> there's I mean it's it's not without its headaches from time to time there's people that will message you on on every single story and you're like it's like I it's great I'm glad you're a fan but like I'm the one seeing all the <laughs> messages on Instagram that's that's how I got to you because if I didn't you know, if I'm like the millennial farmer, he probably would have never seen your your message. So, I mean, uh, it is kind of what it is. Yeah, Zach has got we had I had him on maybe two years ago. And yeah, he's he has boomed on YouTube on all the social medias. He's so popular. But yeah, I can't imagine how people like him that have countless followers, how they manage all the interactions and everything. I mean, I'm sure he's got to hire an assistant at some point. You could tell, like, when I first met him, he was, like, kind of like, okay, is this guy going to be weird or what? <laughs> and after hanging out for a couple hours, you, you could tell, like, okay, that guard comes down because, yeah, hey, we, we were in Minnesota before. I was in Minnesota for, for a friend's funeral, and Zach was there with – with the Larson family. Um, and sure enough, there was a guy that he, he just showed up. He's, he's, he's like a guy that has like a thousand followers and he just shows up. And I mean, this guy is just weird with a capital W and it was, it was an awkward moment because I'm like, seriously, is this what happens to you? He's like, Oh, like it's, Poor it's guy. crazy. Yeah. It was cause Zach pulls out his phone. He's like, look how many messages or tags that he's put me in. And he's just like <laughs> doing that for like, for like two minutes. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But, <laughs> that's and, then, and then he shows up, then he shows up at like this private event. And you're like, that's weird man i i can't imagine uh yeah anyways yeah that's a lot of pressure for those big creators to have i mean when they're like almost stalked in public because they have such a huge reach people want to i don't know mooch off of them they're like hey if i hang out with this person they'll tag me and and then i'm gonna get so many more followers so i feel like they're very selfish about it so i mean if you're trying to build those relationships i get it but you've got to be very very careful about it and about how you go about it yeah, I in and I hey, I will admit like back in the day I was trying 
like really, really hard to, to like kind of climb off their backs, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then you finally kind of figure it out and you kind of go, I don't need these guys. You know, I, I, yeah, they're great. Don't And they're good friends, but like, I don't need them to have a large following. I, yeah. And my demographic, my demographic is not that, uh, 18 to 35 year old man in the Midwest. It's, it's women between the ages of 18 and 45 with 2.5 children here locally. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what I hone in on. And that's why, again, I wish I was younger and better looking, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got to focus on your customers. You got to focus on those demographics. I mean, that's, that's smart. Those are business metrics. I mean, that's the reason why Instagram and all the social medias help you track that. So you can gain, you know, better insights into who's watching your content, how you can tailor it. Of, of like the 43,000 on, on, Facebook, it's like 82% that are women. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I guess, I guess I figured it out. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, John, this has been so cool chatting with you, learning about Dutch Hollow Farms. Um, I'm here in Florida, but if I'm ever over in California, I'm going to have to visit you guys. But obviously, if people want to visit, yeah. where can they go and what social media channels can they go to to kind of follow you and what all's going on at the farm obviously dutch hollow farms on instagram and facebook and that's really the only two platforms that we kind of concentrate on yes i'm on tiktok but haven't really focused too much on tiktok i don't know if if that's you know really the route that i want to go on there's you, you find a point where there's only so much you can do and and if you need to know a little bit more about the history of the farm, blah, 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 you can always go to DutchHollowFarms.com. It's all pretty simple. But yeah, if you message me on Instagram, you're going to get me. And that's that's unique and different, too, because a lot of people, you know, a lot of like if you're going to message Taco Bell, you're, you're not going to get the Taco Bell owner. Right. I mean, uh, so it's it's. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of neat. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and, you know, I'll be looking forward to December, January when I can kind of step back from some of my stories (laughs) and, and just kind of like, you know, just chill out a little bit. Just enjoy the off season. Yeah. We'll we'll be watching your, your page and everything, and it'll be cool to follow and see how it goes in, October, November, when you guys are really booming. But yeah, can't wait to see how the season goes yeah, for you. And thanks so much for being on. And just a word of advice. If you ever decide to go to an agritourism farm, if you have a small child with you and he decides to, or she decides to poop their diaper, please <laughs> put that diaper into a garbage can and not into somebody's parking lot. <laughs> Oh my gosh. There's, That's there's no actually bueno. a tally. There's actually a tally I start on diapers and or, well, the mask thing is kind of over, but uh, diapers, I, I remember picking up over 30 diapers in my parking lot in a season. And I'm what, like 30. Yes. Yes. Good and so, night. You know what? What's funny, though, is because I've kind of made fun of it, it's usually less than 10 now. Plus, we have a lot more garbage cans out in the parking lot. Hmm. But I mean, come on, you're just you're just too lazy to go put your kid's diaper. Hey, my wife and I always had a bag that we could put a diaper in if there there wasn't a garbage can nearby. Just be considerate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Probably a smart idea. I'm glad you made fun of them and put garbage cans out there so that number has dramatically decreased. Hopefully it's five or five or under this coming I, fall. I, in fact, I do have a reel on Instagram that was dubbed with some The Price is Right music about me finding a <laughs> diaper in the parking I'm Like, bam, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. I'll have to go look for that I one. Like That's fun. Have, That's a good idea for a reel. Oh, uh, it's. 
I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Well, John, thanks so much for being on, man. We appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to episode 200 of the Farm Traveler podcast. Thanks again to John for coming on the show. Check out all the links below. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. Share with a friend or family member. That helps us out a ton. The more you share, the more people listen to it, the easier it is for consumers and farmers to connect, which is all we're about here on Farm Traveler. Check us out on social media. Check us out at our website, thefarmtraveler.com. And of course, come back every Wednesday for a brand new episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.